I just sat on the floor in the midst of all of this broken glass, just sobbing because it felt like this is our life right now. Like everything is broken. Everything is shattered and we are not okay. And, and we don't have any time to not be okay. And I remember thinking like this place is going to kill us. Like we're not going to make it. Welcome to the Shipwrecked Podcast. Here, we connect followers of Jesus by diving deep into the hardest moments in the lives and ministries of current and former missionaries. And my hope is that through these stories, you will be spurred on to faithfully persevere through trials, find hope for healing from your own shipwreck moments, and truly live out your role as a world Christian. I'm your host, Andy Sutton. Let's jump right in. Hey, and welcome back, guys. Today, I have a really special treat for y'all. Some of you might recall that in episode seven, we spoke with someone named Zach. He had this traumatic accident. I don't want to uh, kind of ruin the story for you guys if, if you haven't heard it. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. But if you have heard it, you'll, you might recall that he just went totally numb to the world for a little while. And there were there were so many beautiful things that the Lord did in his midst uh, through through that period of time. Today, we're going to hear the other side of the story. Yep, we're going to hear from his wife, Marie, who fought through that season, that incredibly difficult season in Zach's life, which, hey, guess what? That was also an incredibly difficult season in Marie's life. And she was fighting tooth and nail to keep her family afloat in that storm of their lives and actually thought that they might drown in the process. Now, what I love about Marie's story is that she is just so incredibly human. You know, practically, she had to work her tail off to keep her family afloat. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to make dinner. Somebody had to look at the finances. And and Zach wasn't in a place to do that. And obviously, her kids weren't either. So she had to do so very much to keep Zach and their kids alive, which you're going to learn more about uh, in just a minute here. And in the midst of just relentless bombardment and attack from Satan over about a two-year period, she was, in a very real sense, the wife and mother, even the mama bear uh, that they all needed. But as Zach was struggling and in need of help, and by God's grace, getting that um, in large part through Marie, Marie also was struggling and in need of help. But what do you do when your family is beaten and battered and you have to choose on a daily basis between taking care of your husband, who's in need, your kids, who are in need, and yourself, who is also in need? Now, that's the story that we're jumping into today, the tension that we are going to hear about. And I'm so excited to bring it to you in all of its glorious messiness, and with all the goodness and grace and hope that are also found in Jesus. And with that, let's get to it. With shield of faith, I'm belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies, and army bold, whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. 
Well, let's get started, Marie. Um, All right. I, I have been enjoying asking random icebreaker questions to people. Do it. So, um, and this will work well because we've only had one conversation before this. So <laughs> I genuinely want to know, uh, All right. what's something that I wouldn't normally know about you unless I knew you for at least a month? For at least a month. Um, I don't know if it would take a whole month. But I'm a big introvert who's pretty good with people and pretty good at, like, rising to the social occasion. But I would have to let you know if we were going to be in a relationship longer than a month that (laughs) I'm out after, like, two hours. (laughs) No way. Okay, that's the cutoff for you. Yeah. Uh, It depends. Like, I have different levels of relationship, but there would have to be boundaries after a month. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I can imagine, too, like, the dynamic between a like 45 person party and a small like three or four person group oh yeah yeah scenario a is like my version of hell yeah that's awful oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny i'm like the biggest extrovert on the planet so like i could just like hang out i could just play play the party out for as long (laughs) as it'll go so. Well, people like me need people like you in the world. That's so good. <laughs> hey, vice versa. Good. I need I need that's to be reminded, like Andy, it's time to go home. That's like, right. Go good. home. <laughs> <laughs> you have to sleep at some point. Like, right. Right. Oh that's my goodness. Good. Well, Marie, I, I guess with that, it's it's actually kind of interesting just thinking about um, you know, your your background and and, and where you're at mm-hmm. right now, even like. Mm-hmm geographically in the work that you're doing because um you i mean you've just kind of grown up in sort of the the workers world so to speak yeah um and and it actually stuck out to me right you're you're a third generation worker i am yeah oh my goodness my my grandparents came to africa like in the i'm gonna say in the 50s wow so yep it's a third generation and my kids are four so it's kind of the family business. We that's you know, incredible. Business. <laughs> that's incredible. I love yep. that. Okay, so so you you grew up not just in a believing home, um, right. but but really like in in a a family that took their faith very seriously. It yes. sounds like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so my family was sold out for generations like that concept of heritage is really strong, and in both sides of my parents is. It's really cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I'm I'm wondering because I don't know. I, I I've I've met plenty of people who grew up as um, you know, third culture kids, mm-hmm. um, or as as M MKs. Yeah. Uh, that sometimes they're they're like kind of almost turned off mm-hmm. from their experience mm-hmm. in in like choosing themselves to go yep. overseas and become workers. But that that yeah. obviously was not the case for you. I mean, that what, was not the case for me. Like, uh, it wasn't the happen? case for me, but it wasn't it it sounds like when you don't know the whole story that I was just like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to do this too." I wasn't. Um, okay. Okay. I really in my like teenage naivety, growing up in East Africa where the church is beautiful and vibrant and growing and sending out people on their own. I was like, the work is done. Like we've, we've, we've done our job here, you know, like, um, 
And it's those people in the U.S. They are a wreck. Like we need to go work there. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's <laughs> so not inaccurate. School, that was my kind of trajectory of no, I want to work in inner city. I, I'm a teacher by trade. Um, I want to mm. work in the inner city. I want to move to the states. That would be a true like out of my home culture experience for me um, would be reverse, right? Um, so that's kind of what I was thinking graduating high school. And and then I met a boy and I fell in love and mm-hmm. he had a different plan. So um, yeah, so when Zach and I were in high school together, he he told me right out of the gate, like I would like to go, um, I would like to come back to Africa. I don't want to fly airplanes, which is what my dad does. And so I was like, oh, well, Okay, that's a life I'm pretty familiar with. I can, yeah, I can see that working. Um, so he kind of he kind of hijacked my trajectory in that way. <laughs> oh my gosh, what was it like for you to wrestle through that? I mean, yeah, there's got to be there was a tension there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the tension was okay. I as long as I have a role to play, um, mm. I don't want to be a yeah, I'd, I don't want to be a housewife. Yeah, I want to have a role in this. I want my my work to matter. Um, mm-hmm. And so when he wanted to do aviation, I, and I knew what that life looked like, I, I could see a, a fit for me. Um, and then uh, I don't remember if he shared it or not, but the father really changed his direction into our, our early years in college and mm-hmm. made it clear that actually, you know, airplanes were secondary and working with um, people in the Muslim world was was what he was actually asking us to do. And that wrestle, mm. that was intense. Um, yeah, because I had never lived in that part of the world. I was super intimidated by the language. Arabic is ridiculous. Uh, and I knew that growing up in Africa, right? Like yeah. firsthand experience of that language is nuts. I could never. Um, and just super intimidated at, like uh, the culture of women being undervalued and not really having a place. Um, I had just worked my tail off for a degree and I was like, I'm going to move somewhere where I'm seen as property. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, So I wrestled hard with the Lord. Zach thankfully was really good. He didn't do the wrestling. He was like, okay. I told him when he came home and told me this kind of what the Lord has laid on my heart. I was like, okay, if he's calling us, he'll call me too. So you need to not convince me and, and let him do that work. And he was patient and waited that year while I wrestled with the father about wow. whether that was for real, what he wanted for our family. So, Oh my goodness. Yep. And, and obviously you took that wrestling pretty seriously because yeah. by his grace, you ended up kind I of ended relenting. Up here. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of broke my heart with, uh, that same naivety that said, no, like there's tons of people doing this and um, the work is basically done. I ended up in a, in a conference for workers and they were honoring like generations of workers and they had each group stand up by region. So like, if you have worked mm-hmm. or are working in this region, stand up so we can honor you. And I was in this auditorium of like 3000 people and I'm watching as hundreds stand up for South America and hundreds stand up for mm-hmm. Sub-Saharan Africa and hundreds stand up for Asia and then they get to North Africa and the Middle East working amongst Muslims and like 15 people stood up like the contrast was just mind-blowing and I just sat there broken like okay Lord if this is where you need your people (laughs) 
I will go, but you are going to have to show me what that means because I feel like the worst fit ever for this job. So. Oh my gosh. But you yeah. were willing. That was ultimately what it was. He just wanted yeah. you to be willing. Yeah. To go where yeah. where people are needed. Where it's not necessarily needed. Marie is needed. There, right. But yeah, just but light. I just need light in this part of the world. So, so you had uh, um, really about maybe f- somewhere between like I think it was fifteen months or two years of just getting slammed, slammed. on yeah. the field. Um, yeah. and we've, we've heard Zach's story and, mm-hmm. uh, at least some of us have, have heard Zach's story, but, but mm-hmm. really want to dive into your perspective and your experience, Marie, of, mm-hmm. of what those couple of years when the crap really hit the fan, like mm-hmm. what, what was, what was the crap that you saw hitting the fan? And then, yeah, yeah, let's just start there. What was the crap that you saw hitting the fan? Oh man, Andy, it was everything. And it was relentless. Like we just, like as each thing was happening, I remember thinking like, we've got to process this. Like you you don't just move on from this, you know, you don't stuff this and keep going. And yet we didn't even have time to get over the initial shock of something before the next crisis hit. And it just felt like, no, like I know that I need to be caring for myself in the midst of this, but there's no time. Like we just went from one fire to the next. And so, yeah, wow. that's the word that comes to my mind is it was just relentless of, yeah. I, I tell people it felt like our enemy came after absolutely everything we had and nothing mm. was untouched in that 15 months of, yeah, of, yeah, just attack, just straight up attack. What, what were some of the particular things that that he was yeah. attacking in your life man and even ordering them is hard right do you go chronologically sure. do you go from the things that, like said the biggest thing, i don't even know where to start right like our security like our ability to be here in this location was threatened as mm-hmm. our residency was denied and pulled and that felt very like when people hear that i, I don't think there's a lot of context for what the implications are for a worker when that happens and they mm-hmm. lose their status in a country, there's a lot more than just, um, oh, I don't get my visa, like bummer. It, it was, wow, are we gonna lose our home? Are we gonna have to move everything we have? Are we gonna be allowed to move anything with us? Wow. Um, our kids need a new school. This business we poured blood, sweat and tears into for the last five years. Is it going down the drain and all of that investment? Is it just gone? You know, like, um, are we going to get to say goodbye? Are we like all of the pieces, right? So when I say security, it's so much bigger than just like, oh, summer, we lost our paperwork. Um, Mm. Yeah, my kids were being relentlessly bullied at school. I mean, just malicious, awful things being whispered into their ears and the teacher's backs were turned Mm. for eight hours a day, like just nonstop. Um, and some physical, yeah, assaults basically on each one of them at their different levels. Um, we had one of my daughter's blood work came back with really bad white blood cell numbers that led us to an oncologist and a big cancer scare. Um, and not knowing how long she was going to be with us, we lost teammates just one right after the other. Like we started as a team of I think thirty, and by the end of this year we were down to ten. Um, wow. it was, 
There's huge attrition, really fast, lots of different reasons. Some of them had nothing to do with us. Some of them had everything to do with us um, Mm because we were leading the team at that time. Um, We got into big conflict with our extended family. So um, yeah, there was just like different, the fact that we work together, like there's a joke about it being a family business, which has perks and and yeah. has some drawbacks too of like they're in in our lives in a lot of different contexts and so this conflict with my parents um we had this big traumatic accident that i think zach talked about in his episode where his friend mm-hmm. fell 40 feet on a rock wall um and we didn't know if he was gonna live or die and just the impact that had on his family who are also our business partners and best friends mm-hmm. as he healed and recovered from that um and then it, super interestingly, he and Zach had totally different experiences because uh, when he fell, he hit his head and remembers nothing. Like it, it wasn't a trauma for him mentally. Um, yeah. And his body healed pretty, pretty miraculously. So for him, it was a it was a real father moment of getting to um, dig deeply into his faith and and spend good time with the Lord and have his life reframed from this incident. And for Zach, it was derailing and traumatic and triggering. And um, yeah, it just really broke him in his personality. And so watching those two um, best mm-hmm. friends have two totally different experiences uh, was really hard. Yeah. I mean, it just, yeah, it was nonstop. We had friends dying. We had a traumatic stabbing in our church here um and then this like the subsequent legal battle that came out of that while I was on the leadership board for that fellowship um we had a friend lose their son to leukemia that same like month as this really awful stabbing happened like it just it just kept coming like everything just kept coming one wave after another that sounds just like you put it, Marie, relentless. Yeah, it was. Um, and and even trying to put myself in your shoes a little bit of how how do I, you know, keep going when the stuff is happening so fast, mm-hmm. I can't even recover. I can't even catch my mm-hmm. breath. I'm not even yeah. done working through, you know, Thing number eighteen because thing number right. nineteen is, is already is in our jumping lap. in. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you gave uh, <clears throat> like a a really great word picture. Um, oh yeah. Uh, of of the mirror. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought it helped me frame really well. Can you can you tell yeah. us what that what that was? I it was uh right before the summer wind. So in when you live in the desert or close to the desert, the Sahara winds come crazy during kind of like the early summer, late spring months. And I was dead asleep and I woke up to this shattering glass sound where a mirror that hangs in our room had been literally blown off the wall by these desert winds. And I just remember sitting there like after the initial adrenaline rush of like, no, okay, everything's all right. Like nobody's breaking in or like, on the worst case scenarios, your brain goes, just, just my yeah. mirror. So I had this crash, right, emotionally from that adrenaline. What happened? Are my kids safe? What do I need to do? And I just wept. Like, I just sat on the floor in the midst of all of this broken glass, just sobbing because it felt like this is our life right now. Like, everything is broken. 
everything is shattered and we are not okay. And, and we don't have any time to not be okay. Um, and I remember thinking like this place is going to kill us. Like we're not going to make it. Wow. And in the yeah. midst of that, I think one, one other thing that, mm-hmm. that sticks out to me is again, as, as you know, we've had a conversation with Zach about, mm-hmm. about his perspective mm-hmm. and legitimately like he, it was so hard for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the midst of that, you're basically trying to keep your family together mm-hmm. and, and, and keep them afloat because, because Zach is not in a position to do that. Right. With everything yeah. going on. And obviously right. your kids are not going to be in a place to do that. And so it falls right. on if it, 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 you really felt like it fell on your shoulders. Yeah. Right. To, I really felt like it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you try to do that? I tried all the things <laughs> like if anybody said this might help, I tried it. Right. Like I tried everything. Um, mm. I think some of the things were really good because that's that's the tricky part right when you look back on what you try to do sometimes you villainize all of it I'm like what was I thinking and some of it was really good um and really important and part of the healing process we I, Zach mentioned he was getting counseling and so anything the counselor told us to do we did um mm-hmm. lots of extra sleep lots of extra exercise um all the things that he, he recommended I was doing, but a lot of them fell on, on me to help make happen, right? Like I have to facilitate this healing space for Zach of, yeah, drop everything, go to the mountains for four days. I've got it, you know, or, um, yeah, let me figure out how we revamp our diet so that you're eating really well. And how do I make sure that everybody's quiet from this time to this time? So you're getting good. Like all the things felt like they rippled out to me to make happen. Um, Mm. even though they were really good. Um, we read a lot. We read everything we could get our hands on basically. Um, and a lot of it was really helpful. And yet a lot of it, you just have to walk out. You don't get to, there's no shortcuts. Um, Mm -hmm. so we read a lot of books. I, I did a lot of looking at our finances to figure out how things could work and where, how can we pay for this and where is this going to come from? Um, I, kept a lot of people in Florida. We were very open. One of the things I love about Zach is he's an open book. Like he mm. uh, shares, he doesn't try to hide or pretend like things are okay. And so mm-hmm. there was a lot of freedom to let people know, like we're not okay. Um, but then with that comes a lot of people to keep informed because people care about us. And so there was mm. a lot of texting and talking and calling and emailing and like filling out forms for the org and all of those things that to say like here's where we are this week and here's what we're doing with so I did a lot of that communication with our groups. Um yeah. Mm. Well a lot. And then I did a lot that was not helpful. I I mm. tried to fix him um a lot. I tried to speak truth and use my prophetic voice to like get him back on the right track when he was not actually capable of hearing me. Um, mm. I got angry. I threw stuff. I tried to shock him into like, wake up and, and join me in this. This is something I can't do alone. I, mm. I tried to manipulate God in my prayers. I, I was, I had some really bad reactions to leadership trying to help step in and help. I walked out of meetings when I didn't want to hear what they had to say. Like I did a lot mm. that was not helpful too. So sure. 
it's this whole mess amalgamation of effort to, to figure out what will fix it. What, what will be the thing that fixes it? Yeah. And there's just not a thing. Well, and, and that makes, that makes so much sense, Marie, mm. because if I were in your position, I would do anything and everything that I can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to finally be able to take a breath you know, like I want this over because in 15 months I've been slammed with as many, if not more, mm-hmm. really difficult things yeah. and can't recover from one of them, let alone all of them. Yeah. Like I want this to end mm-hmm. and I'm going to do if there is anything I can do. Mm-hmm. And there was so much for you to do. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, I, I, it sounds like Zach needed he needed you to to create the space to to lead the house for for a time like that needed that needed to happen and so Mm -hmm. there's there's an aspect in me of I can't blame you at all sure yeah (laughs) you know yeah um I probably would have done a lot worse I probably would have (laughs) been like trying to not just keep everyone afloat but like try to keep everyone above water which is mm-hmm. even more impossible <laughs> right for real for um, real but in the midst of that like what what was going on in your heart i mean how hard how hard mm-hmm. really was that for you i can oh. i can kind of like piece together with everything that you said that it was hard but like mm-hmm. i just want to understand how hard really was that for you yeah i don't even know if words can encompass that, right? Like it was the loneliest, scaredest, helpless I have ever mm. felt. Like just uh, like when things are happening to you and you're the recipient, that's one thing. When things are happening to the people that you love and you can't fix it or change it or stop it, like that level of helplessness is... Mm it's incapacitating, right? Like, how do you hang on to faith and hope um, and joy in the midst of, I can do literally nothing to make this any better for you. I, I just have to sit here and watch and hold your pain. Um, and everything that I'm trying to do is so insignificant in comparison to what you're feeling. Um, and yet at the same time, like with every fiber of my being wanting him to see me too and 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 be like oh like you're hurting too you know and yet mm-hmm. recognizing that he wasn't actually capable of that in that moment I felt like split right down the middle most days of mm-hmm. do I take care of myself and what I need do I take care of my kids do I take care of my of my husband and often those things felt indirect competition with one another like I have to mm-hmm. choose I have to choose who to take care of today and that is a, yeah, it's an unrelentingly hard choice to make on a daily basis. In the midst of that, um, how were you seeking out God? And how yeah. were you seeking out comfort and yeah. peace and joy in him? That is a great question. Um, I wish, like, especially as, you know, the good TCK I'm supposed to be, that I could say, oh, it's the word. Like, I went to the word, but it was it was a season of 
sawdust in my mouth. Like everything about the word hurt. Like I didn't want to read. Um, I didn't understand. I, there were times it felt like I was reading it in a different language. So I felt a lot of guilt about that, but I could worship. Like music has always been a powerful medium in my relationship with the father. Mm. And um, so I turned to that because that felt doable. Like it took very little effort on my part to push play on Spotify. Mm. Um, So I didn't have to bring a lot of energy to that. It was a pretty passive and yet participatory thing to do of I'm, I'm choosing in this moment to turn my mind and my heart to truth wherever I can find it. And so this, this concept, I read a blog article somewhere in the middle of this of like worship as warfare kind of became mm-hmm. my battle cry. Like I, God, I don't see you. I don't hear you. I don't, I don't want to read your word, but I will worship anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, became my, yeah, it became my lifeline. And through that, um, was able to keep my brain bathed in truth when, when there was a lot of lies to compete with. So yeah, that was my big, that was my big lifeline, um, until I could start praying and reading again in meaningful ways. Yeah. That's truly incredible to me that, um, how kind our God is that he would, he would even use something like, like Spotify right to keep you to keep you like hanging by that thread hanging on exactly like because that's all you got i mean yeah i'm just kind of imagining you wading water in the middle of the ocean yes and you don't have any sort of life jacket or anything like that and and you are responsible for keeping your husband and your kids afloat and there's just this like tiny little string tiny thread that if you if you're not paying attention you're not going to see it I'm not yeah. going to see it as an outsider, but it's there and it's, yeah. it's keeping you, it's keeping you afloat. Mm-hmm. That is exactly how it felt. That is exactly yeah. How it felt. And, yeah. and, and through that, I mean, this was a process. Oh yeah. To, to say the least. Months, months and months, like two years actually. And I would, I don't know even, I don't know when it ends, right? Like, I don't know when we're supposed to say, oh no, we're done. We're out now. Like we're, yeah. there's so much that we still are recovering from. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, yeah. and just the reality too, that you are by his grace still in the same context. Like, you are. haven't had a geographical yeah. change. Nope. All of this like is yep. still a part of your story. All of it, you know, yeah. some of it still hasn't been fully resolved. Everybody knows, you know, yeah. All the things. Yeah. yeah. Still part of it. Yeah. That's another episode for you to do, you know, life <laughs> after burnout in the same context. Right. Oh my word. Right. Yeah. And yet I, I'm just, man, I'm so challenged, I'll say, as well as encouraged, Marie, that you, you did what you could do, even though mm. like all you could do is press play on Spotify. And so you did it. Like it wasn't, oh my gosh, God, I can't even open up the Psalms. Mm. Like I could press Spotify, but that's, I, it needs, it needs to be like scripture. And so I'm just Mm -hmm. not going to do anything. Like that was not Mm. your reaction. Your reaction was all I can do is press play on Spotify. And so I'm going to do that. That was his grace. 
And it sounds like the Lord really met you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned Psalms because like that is the, that is like the, the big takeaway for me of just like, he gave us mm-hmm. space for that. Like even in his word, he gave us space for that where all I can do right now, Lord is saying like all I can do mm-hmm. and not even like praise, but just like lament thing to you Um, and just the grace of that that's even modeled in the word when you are looking for it when I could go back and look for it afterwards it's all there like David is all there doing the same thing I was doing on my living room floor you know yeah what was it like for you to start to notice that you are in the recovery process because obviously the the lord was bringing healing through this he was Mm -hmm. planting seeds he was at work even if Mm -hmm. you're just sobbing into your your Mm -hmm. living room carpet right yeah he was at work but when did you start to notice was were there circumstantial changes or was it just a a gradual shift in perspective when you noticed you know what Mm -hmm. god i see that you have been at work and you're getting me through this yeah that's a good question I don't know that I've ever thought in terms of like what changed or how did we notice change there was definitely both like this kind of atmospheric shift of it got less difficult to get out of bed in the morning there was less napping in the afternoon um there was less screaming at each other you know or fighting um and those things then created extra energy to pursue healing in new ways but then that still took so much work, you know, to pursue your own healing, the invitation that he gives us to be an active part of our healing is, is not passive. It's not um, mm-hmm. just wait and he'll, he'll make it better. You have to show up to that table and do that hard work of Lord, what lies was I believing that left me susceptible to this being so devastating or this overreaction or where did I lose sight of you in this where I had this priority on this person or this thing that shouldn't have been like all of that then you have to show up for and so it still felt like monumental amounts of energy um, for a long time Mm. and I think probably one of the biggest shifts where it was like okay I think I think we're getting better was when it didn't take that level of energy to, to join in community of believers again, like to go to worship on Sunday mornings or to be a part of um, times together with our team lifting or things like that. When we could do that without it feeling like we were running a marathon to get there and stay there. That was when I really felt like, okay, this, this is, we're, we're on a good trajectory here. Like this is, this is healing. This is what healing looks like. I know that you're, as you mentioned, there are still some things that you you are in the recovery process and the healing process mm-hmm. and um, even still unearthing mm-hmm. with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But he's he's brought you so far, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah. hands that. down. Yes, glory um, to him. Oh my gosh. I, I guess in the midst of that, uh, uh, you know, looking back on the conversation that we've had, mm-hmm. how has your understanding of the good news and of our dad mm. changed because of this story yeah. that you've shared with us and because of your shipwreck moment? I think what just 
blew open for me about that message is that it's so much bigger than him redeeming our sin, that he is here for our brokenness, like that he is Mm -hmm. here to heal wounds, not just absolve wrongs or, um, yeah, redeem our sin and our guilt, but to bring healing, that the cross is a place not just for restoration of like rightness, but of wholeness of, of being, uh, of being broken and rebuilt in, in a stronger way, I think. And actually, when I think about the people we're here to share with, like, that's what they need to hear, right? Like, um, often we can be totally blind to where we're wrong, but we are rarely unaware of where we're broken. And so just being able to go Mm -hmm. like, I know a guy, I know a guy who can fix that. Like that is huge hope for people who are like nose to nose with their own pain. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That has been big for me who growing up in my family and my tradition spent a lot more time thinking about how we can be saved from hell, you know, and how we can be saved from sin to be able to say, and, and he's here to make this stop hurting. Like is, mm-hmm. it's been big for me to understand in the last couple of years. There's so much more of your story that I wish, I wish this <laughs> podcast was like four hour long episodes because there's so much more of the story. Um, no, rein me in, Andy. I need someone to rein me in. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, no. Because it's such a beautiful portrait mm. of our Savior and his his yeah. tender affection and love. Yeah. I mean, even just even just taking a step back right now and, and thinking about about where you've been, thinking about you being a third generation worker, thinking about mm-hmm. how you spent that year wrestling. Mm-hmm. And how the Lord broke your hip, so to speak, mm-hmm. yep, and showed you, I just need people who are willing. Are you willing, mm-hmm. Marie? Mm-hmm. And how he how he brought you there, and he mm-hmm. he allowed in his sovereignty mm-hmm. everything to mm-hmm. happen all within a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Not not because he hates you, but because right. I I, I think it sounds like. Because he wanted your view of him to be so much greater than mm-hmm. even the worst storm that Satan mm. could throw at you. Yeah. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. And I think what for me was super obvious was how many other places I would turn to before him when a storm was coming before this experience and how this has has stripped all of that away I had stripped away all of those relationships that were my go-to like oh you're who I process with or um you're who helps me find my hope in my encourage like it's it's just there was nothing there but me and my playlist and my living room floor and my god for a long time and how now my go-to is so different than it was before and and there's so much more hope in that right of like i really do feel like okay whatever comes like you will be there 
it'll be you and I, and it may only be you and I, but we will be there together and we will get through it. Faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure, and Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of Thank you so much to Marie for this conversation. Guys, I loved the privilege and opportunity of hearing the other side of the story. Uh, this was this was just so hard. And Marie was an absolute joy to talk with about this. Um, but this is this is the messiness. You know, and even as we're wrapping up season one here, and I'll I'll talk more about that um in just a minute. But yeah, as this is the final episode of the first season of the Shipwrecked podcast. And I'm just thinking back right now over the past 12 episodes, the the past 12 conversations that we've had, there has not been a single um, pretty story, which, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh, The theme is shipwrecked. Um, But at the same time, doesn't it just make Jesus that much more beautiful? Uh, to see him in contrast with the absolute wreckage and messiness of these people's lives and of, of my life um, and, and maybe of your life as well. Like he's just so, so much more glorious, so much more powerful in the face of my weakness, so much more beautiful in the face of my ugliness and the ugliness of my sin and the ugliness of my story. He radiates that much more. That's what I see in Marie's story, and that's and that's what I hope and pray that that you see not only in Marie's story, but also in your own story. He is glorious. He is beautiful, um, and he is beautiful in the midst of your story and your struggle. So, here are my three key takeaways. Um, I know there was good stuff that I am not going to talk about here on the on the three key takeaways. Um, and so if there was something that stuck out to you, oh my gosh, let's make it four, you know, throw it up on the, on the shipwrecked Facebook page. Cause I would really want to hear what stuck out to you if it wasn't one of these three things, but here, here are the three things that really stuck out to me. Number one, do what you must and do what you can. You know, like I mentioned earlier, and like we talked about in the conversation, Marie didn't really have a choice, uh, in terms of taking care of Zach and and taking care of her kids. I mean, sure, I guess she kind of did, but if she wanted her family to stay alive and afloat, she she didn't. I mean, she had to do a lot just to keep keep the family together and, and keep them surviving, even just at a basic level. So she did what she must. She did what she had to, but but also she did what she could. And for a while, all that she could do was press play on Spotify. That's how she met with the Lord. That was the only way she could meet with the Lord for, for a while. And so she did that. Second, embrace the process, right? That, that last little thing that Marie said, um, trusting that even if it's just her and the Lord, they will get through this. So embrace the process <laughs> as messy as it is because you will get through this. And number three, our God is bigger 
and mightier than anything and everything Satan can throw at us. And he is present in the storm. Even if you can't see him, even if we can't hear him, even if you don't believe it, which I've been there for sure. You're not alone in that if that's where you are. But he is present in the storm. And with that, here is the one action step. Um, you know, and, and yeah, even even as we're looking at the, the next uh, several weeks um, up until, you know, starting to release episodes for season two, this is, this is, I think, a really key and important action step based off what Marie said. And here it is. Worship. However you can. Whatever you're capable of. Worship. If you're able and you're in a place of abundance where you can spend a lot of time with the Lord, do that. And if all you can do is press play, do it. Like whatever you can do, just don't stop worshiping. Don't stop fighting to worship. Um, no matter what you are capable of. Because God is so honored by our meager efforts, isn't he? I mean, he doesn't expect you or me to be in a healthier place than we are. Like he knows what we're going through. He knows how jacked up I am. It's not a surprise to him. Um, he knows my past. He knows my future. He knows everything about me, more than I know about me. So nothing throws him off. But he's still so worthy of my praise. No matter what I'm going through, no, more, no matter what I have gone through, no matter where I'm at in the midst of a storm or in the midst of recovering from a storm, he's worthy of my worship. Um, and he's with me in the storm. So let's worship, guys. Whatever you're capable of, just fight to worship. And trust that he's going to meet you there. And he's going to be so honored by that. And oh, he's not going to forget that. He's not going to forget that his precious son, his precious daughter, really made a sacrifice to worship him well. Well, if you would like to contribute financially to Marie and Zach's ministry, you can find that info in the show notes. Now, if you like what you're hearing, why don't you help grow the shipwreck movement? You can share this episode with two people. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you, by the way. I, I've seen that a few of you, a few more of you have left reviews on Apple Podcasts, and that is just such a blessing to me and, and a huge encouragement. So truly, thank you guys. You can join the Facebook page and follow on Instagram um, and invite your friends to as well. If you need those links, they're in the show notes. And you can also contribute on Patreon uh, to help make more episodes like this and continue to grow the shipwrecked movement. And you can find that link in the show notes as well. And I have one more link for you guys because I love just giving you links all the time. Um, I really want your feedback, especially as um, I am looking to change some things for the better uh, for season two. I really want to figure out how I can do that and how, how I can continue to serve you guys even better. So I do have a quick form um, to uh, have you help me create even better future episodes Find that link in the show notes. And um, thank you so much to Sarah and Danielle for already filling that out for me. Now, uh, Marie has asked us for prayer um, just as she is, you know, still recovering and, and Zach and the kids are still recovering um, from trauma and just from intense burnout. 
the way that she described it to me is that trauma and burnout strip you to nothing. And then you need to rebuild. Um, and so she wants to rebuild better into a better and, and stronger faith. Um, she wants just a crazy amount of humility. Um, and, and she's also aware of the audience around her, right? The, the witnesses, um, her husband, her kids, her organization, her supporters. Um, and, and it's just genuinely hard. And I, I can relate to this. I, I'm sure many of you can relate to this as well. It's just hard to not put on a show sometimes, especially when you're struggling or you're climbing out of a hole. Um, and so, yeah, her, her request for prayer is that the Lord would go down to the studs and rebuild whatever he wants to. So please join me right now as I pray for Marie. Gracious and Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are so worthy of my worship and my praise. You are worthy of so much more than I can ever give you. You are worthy of so much more than all of us can ever give you. I mean, you just give so much. And you you ask for, yes, all of our worship. But that's because you don't just deserve all of our worship. You deserve so much more. Thank you for being the only God, the only being in all of the universe who is infinitely worthy. And thank you that we get to know you, that, that you are a God who adopts us as children. You pick us up, you wash us clean, and you call us your own. Thank you that you are a God who, who rebuilds us. Um, you are a God who is with us in the storm, and you are a God who tenderly and graciously and kindly and patiently rebuilds us um, into something just so beautiful. That, that truly reflects even more than ever before your goodness and your glory. Thank you that you are doing that in Marie's life. Thank you that, yeah, you have not given up on her. You have never left her or forsaken her. And you have always worked all things, even that two-year-long hellstorm from Satan. You never left her side. And you were working even that and are working even that for her good as well as for your glory. So I trust that you are going to do this. Um, but I, I, I do want to ask on behalf of Marie that you would go down to the studs of her, the house of her life. That you would strip away everything that is not of you. And that you would rebuild her however you want to. Not just so that you can... Um, Use her for the sake of your glory, but also because of your tremendously deep love for her so that she could be that much closer to you and worship you that much more with all of her heart, all of her soul, all of her mind, and all of her strength. And may you do that for all of us as well, myself and everyone listening, that you would strip us down, that you would take away everything that is not of you, and replace it with pure and holy goodness that would reflect your glory, that would draw us closer to you and make us more like yourself because that is what you deserve. That is what you are worthy of. We love you. We love you so much. But help us to love you more because our hearts are fickle. I know my heart is fickle. 
So make us more like you and draw us closer to yourself. And we trust that, that if we have that desire, that desire is not from us. That desire is not from me, Dad. It is from you. So thank you that you have even given us that desire. We ask all of this in faith, in the mighty and matchless name of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Well, guys, I don't have a teaser for you for the next episode because this is the end of season one. It has been such an immense privilege um, to bring these episodes to you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart um, for for listening to this. I mean, I've never done a podcast before. Um, and so this has just been an absolutely wild ride <laughs> and so difficult and so stressful sometimes, um, but also such an immense joy. Um, y- y'all really encourage me um, as I as I hear your feedback and as I see that you are listening. I, I know that by the grace of the Holy Spirit, he's using this to draw you more um, to himself and to make you more like him. Um, so thanks for being on this journey with me. Um, as for myself, I'm going to be getting some much needed rest <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. I am going to be working hard to revamp the podcast and bring it um, bigger and better to you in season two, God willing, by early July. But, you know, we'll we'll see about that. Um, Until then, stay in touch on the Facebook page and Instagram. And I'm going to be so excited as I get to continue um, to labor alongside you guys to make Jesus known, but but also um, to see him be more high and lifted up in your hearts and in your minds. Um, I'm just so genuinely honored to be on this journey alongside y'all. So thanks. Here's a final message from Marie. I think one of the things that really struck me, because in the midst of all of that, all you can think is like, I'm it, especially I feel like as the spouse of someone who's going through intense burnout like that. I remember looking for resources for the for the wife, like where's the book for the wife? Like, what do you do? And it just wasn't there. And I think what, so I, I just remember feeling that I must be the only person like that's doing this. And one of the thing, one of the things I did that just blew my mind was I sat down with each one of those things that hurt, like each one of those events that just came at me and was like, all right, Jesus, like, tell me what you went through that was close to this. <laughs> like, or, or how did, like, how did you experience this? And I fully kind of like, I have a little bit of trial lawyer in me that wants to prove him wrong and like fully anticipated being able to find the things that there's no scriptural counterpoint, counterpoint to what he went through for. And I sat back at the end of that, like three hour prayer time with him. I was just like, okay, when you say, you know, everything we are going to explain, like you experienced our hurt in every way, you meant it. And, and that idea of there is nothing I will go through that you do not understand. And there's no reason for me to feel alone because you, you've done all of this before me and you're doing it all with me now. And that profound sense of his presence became way more tangible than any book that could have been written for me um out of that and so find like find him find him in the midst of whatever that is because he's been there and he is there and and then you're not alone anymore special thanks to larissa barnett for making the cover art 
Explore more of her work at larissabarnettdesign.com. Thanks also to Ayanna Kamalo for the use of his recording of O Church Arise. You can find his most recent album, Dancing with Angels, wherever you listen to music. I'm Andy Sutton. If you want to say hi, shoot me an email at theshipwreckedpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may you run with endurance the race that's before you, and may you fix your eyes on the one who is with you. Thank you.